Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show well we were joined by uh, comedian Ray Bradshaw we've been trying to help him out finding bored ginger men Mm. Um, yeah I'm not being gingerist or baldist there is a reason for it which Ray explained Uh, Ben Turner from uh, Fallwell 73 the guys behind um, Sunderland Till I Die popped mm-hmm. in to tell us about the yeah. third and final series which is coming up next week um, we were also joined by a filmmaker uh, Chelsea fan Tim McKenzie Smith uh, who's uh, produced a wonderful uh, sort of passion project film about a band called Simandi who you haven't probably heard of but yeah. if you love hip hop and house and stuff like that you will know their samples and their story's an amazing one and Tim told us that we had a chat we did we had a bit of mastermind yeah we did and we also had uh, the clips of the month. So here it all is. Six minutes past one. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, I got my Carabao Cup final tickets yesterday. Did you? Good. I'm not here. I'm on holiday, but I, I got them for my son and my grandson. And uh, he said to me, do you, do you think we should bother? I said to him, look. I said, you you have to bother. I said, because it could be a very, very, very long time before well, no, Chelsea you could have said that be- back. You could have said that before getting to this final. You could have looked at the form this year and said, you know, this is the, this is the thing. It's a frustration from my point of view, mm. that we're normally at the moment seem to be having a good season under a new manager, but we're still going to probably end up potless again. But yeah, Chelsea find a way. Chelsea four. find a way of getting to the final, don't yeah, they? Yeah, but you know, you should never take that for granted. No, I, I, you shouldn't. But I said take him because it, it might be a very long time before you get another one. Uh, very good on Monday night. Very fascinating. Uh, yeah, you went to the Brentford, um, Brentford City, City game. City game. Uh, Sitting at almost ground level just behind the dugouts, it's fascinating watching City, the way they play. There's always a man available. There's always... The way they work in tight spaces is incredible. And their bench is utterly ridiculous. But it was very funny. I was in the loo at half-time, and this bloke was speaking to his mate, and he went, oh, we're very unlucky not to be leading at half-time. I was thinking, Flickens made about 10 saves. I know. He was <laughs> under the cosh, wasn't he? It was brilliant. That's the way people look at it. What's, it's interesting. Thomas Frank's done an interview, hasn't he, mm. at, at home, and um, has said what everybody knows. There's a pretty good chance Ivan Tony will go in the summer. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, his contract will be up in the year. It'll be daft not to sell him at that point. Of course. So, I mean, what's the move? When you speak to your Brentford supporting mates there, I mean, is there a... 
they they know, do they? They know he's they going do. in the of summer. They do. They're nothing but realistic. And how do they feel fans. about his return? What are they making? They love of him. him. Yeah. yeah. Of course they do. They've got, no, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm just interested to know. No, I think know. they're happy. They're, they're happy that hopefully you know he'll do enough. Well, he will do enough to keep them up. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, and and they accept the situation. They they know what Brentford are and how Brentford work, and they accept and they're really delighted. Yeah. You know. To, to be where they I mean, are. even with a year left on the contract, that'll be a pretty serious amount of money that they can go out and strengthen. Oh, it's going to be about 80 to 100 million, isn't it? And uh, without a doubt. I was listening to, uh, my wife was watching Lorraine, and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they were talking about the subject of people getting trolled, uh, celebrities being trolled. Mm. And at one point, Lorraine said, even David Attenborough gets trolled. I was thinking, really? Who trolls David Attenborough? You... Stop being concerned about the future of the planet, you cretin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to... No You're ever a disgrace <laughs> trying to save the Earth. You second me. <laughs> Honestly, how could anybody? I know. I see that Bailey Ty Kadamatari scored uh, for Sheffield Wednesday last night. Yeah, uh, yeah. And... Um, Danny's lad. No, no, for Ports, uh, Plymouth, wasn't it? Plymouth, Sorry, I beg yeah, your yeah, pardon, yeah. for Plymouth in the game was watching. He's the son of Danny, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tom Watt and I profiled him at, uh, in a Channel 4 series about young sports people in 1996. It really makes you feel old. Wow. When the son scores a goal. How old was he then? He was about 16, 17. Oh, so you did this for oh you, for Danny? You did Danny's yeah, I did profile, Danny's I was going to say. Right, in 1996. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, also included a 16-year-old Dame Tanny Gray-Thompson. Wow. Who coincidentally... Paralympian, of course. Wheelchaired past me on Monday. I forgot to mention this. I was oh, just did you? Outside, what, at, at the game? She was on the phone, otherwise I would have said to her, I would have reminded her that she came to my house to uh, with a load of kids to answer their questions. She was great. Right. And... Uh, the kids were. We got, it was probably a mistake, but we got the kids to ask the questions. And this boy. Was so this was a show. It was called Rookies. Rookies you and Tom, yeah. and it was about sort of fledgling sports stars, wasn't it? Kind of. Yeah. It. So we did Danny Cadamartri. We did Tammy Gray. I don't remember the others. Uh, Charlotte Edwards. We oh did. yeah, yeah. Cricket, all of them, yeah. you know, went on to do really, really well. And the kids asked the question, and he was very nervous. This boy, and he meant to say to the young Dame Tammy. She, he meant to say to her, have you always been disabled? Yeah. And he said to her, were you born in a wheelchair? <laughs> oh, OK. Why did he sound like Melvin Bragg? How old was this that, kid? That was his voice. Oh, OK. <laughs> it would be hard for her mum. It's a nice <laughs> film. Yeah, John Benson's... Yeah, well, I think she thought that? it was amusing. She took, okay. it in, she took it in the right way. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, that was good. Uh, a good. couple of things to get you involved in uh, this afternoon. We're going to have a chat with the man. Hearts have got a new hotel. Now, a number of clubs have built hotels, but often mm. they've been run by big hotel chains in association with. But Hearts have taken a floor of Tynecastle oh, yeah. and turned it into a hotel. Sounds good in sort of Well, theory. I mean, Edinburgh, we know it's, you know, it's going to be a hot ticket. They're up near Murrayfield, so you get a lot of gigs there. Yeah. So, so the thing I, about I, the old thing about the rooms facing the pitch and people say, oh, the premium rooms are the ones that don't face the pitch. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah you've got a bit of that. So we're, we're going to have a chat with the, the, the manager and look at why they've gone down this route because there's other things they could have done with that floor of the, uh, mm. of the ground. But anyway, we'll, we'll find out a bit more about it. But then Andy and was saying earlier on, it would be quite interesting if other clubs were to open hotels. Of course, when I worked at Chelsea, uh, the chairman, yeah. Ken Bates, had opened a hotel alongside it. Mm. But I was just saying to you, if, if, if Chelsea, in the Chelsea Hotel, yeah. I wonder if Mikhailo Mudrik, if you order room service, <laughs> he gets it to the door really, really quickly. <laughs> but just as he gets to your door, he drops all your dinner on the floor. That'd be right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were looking for some other examples of... the Arsenal Hotel. What's the Arsenal no, Hotel very like? very good then? in the Arsenal Hotel. Every time a client books in the whole staff have a party oh fantastic it's tremendous good okay well um, we're interested if other clubs were 
they're open <laughs> hotels. Well, who knows? Manchester United might because um, Jim Ratcliffe is very interested mm. in turning, getting a Wembley of the North. Hopefully it'll be better than that. The Wembley of the South isn't a stunner, let's be no. honest. So, yeah, the Wembley of the North. Um, and we'll chat to Martin Lipton uh, about that. I mean, it makes sense. Manchester United own a load of land around the ground. And I was, uh, James Ducker in The Telegraph writing a piece saying... They've just took their eye off the ball, mm. the, uh, the Glazers, but I think most I'm Manchester not, United fans know any of my money, tax money, to go to the Glazers, this, to go well, to Manchester United. That's, that is one way of looking at it. No, and it's I, the only I, way of looking no, at it. No, 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 I agree. They've that got it, so much, they've taken so much money out of that club. Yeah. They could easily have afforded to refurbish Old Trafford the, in a decent way. But, the, you know, you're right, that's a, a good argument. The, 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 you know, the optics are that it won't play well, but there is another argument, a counter-argument, and we will discuss that with... Martin Lipton a little bit later on. They're going to be talking about rule changes as well, some potential... Yeah. They're all getting together at Loch Lomond, IFAB. They go to some nice places, don't they? They do. I mean, why, I... They, why can't they do it at Stockley Park? <laughs> See, you know, some sort of trading estate near Heathrow. If they don't have their meet... Oh, they'll go to Loch Lomond. I'm sure Kalina will have a game of golf while he's there, won't he? And David Ellery, they'll have a you complain lovely about, time. You, you complain about your meal at the Stockley Park Hotel and then the, the chef goes to the screen and he doesn't do anything about it. Oh, OK. <laughs> Is that right? The you Stockley get, Park you, Hotel. Yeah, you get the idea there. That's right. You go there. No one overrules it and says those, that, that steak was cooked properly. One thing they're looking at is it, it, it's something I noted from last night, and it's, I didn't know they were doing this. So I just wrote this down. But yeah. Joe Roden's yellow card has stopped a really promising attack. Yeah. And, and he benefited from it. To me, I think that should be a 10-minute sin bin. And it would cut out all this tactical fouling. And now I yeah. hear they're actually thinking of I doing mean, Ruben it. Diaz will sense. barely play a minute. No, be <laughs> He's going to be off. He'll be off for 10 minutes. He'll be on for 30 seconds. And he'll be off for another no, 10 minutes no again. One would miss, no one would miss tactical fouling. They wouldn't. It would be a much better I game Pep without Pep Guardiola would. Yeah. We'd miss the sort of the Benjamin Massing on Claudio Canidra in 94. That yeah. time. But other than that, I reckon Boris is... Johnson's on the kid in the park, but most yeah. than we could do without. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Good afternoon, Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. A little bit later on, we'll be chatting to Ben Turner, one of the uh, team behind the return of Sunderland Till I Die, coming back for a short series after a break, mm. say with a happier ending for Sunderland supporters at last. But before all of that, uh, Partick Thistle supporting Ray Bradshaw. We've been keeping in touch with Ray. We've been trying to help him out in his quest to find uh, a critical mass of uh, what he calls doppelgangers, people who look like him, mm. bald men with ginger beards. <laughs> uh, we are uh, closing in on the uh, opening dates of his tour and uh, I think it's been going quite well. We thought we'd get an update. Good afternoon, Ray. How you doing, guys? All right? Yeah, we're yeah. good, thank you. We're good. Um, I saw a little picture in the papers the other day where you with a lot of very similar-looking men, some more similar than others, because you are you are looking for the one. You're looking for the ultimate uh, Ray Bradshaw doppelganger lookalike, aren't you? Yeah, you've got to avoid saying looking for the one because my wife gets really annoyed. <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes it a bit tense, doesn't it? So... Yeah, I'm on the hunt for people who look like me, bald ginger people. So I did a gig, will be two weeks ago now, where the audience was only bald ginger people. So 21 bald ginger people and me on stage. <laughs> it was honestly one of the weirdest things I've ever done. It, the best way to describe it is, you know, when you go to the circus and there's mirrors that make you like fat or thin or tall or whatever. <laughs> That's what I was looking out into the whole time. It was really, really surreal. 
the photo's incredible. They, they do yeah. all sort of have yeah, some sort of resemblance. There's some that have got the basic mm. Ray Bradshaw look about, but there are one or two that are fairly uncanny, aren't they? They're, they're amazing. Yeah, like, it was great. It was great as well, because it was it, it was no coincidence that this gig happened and there was two tropical storms in three days because we <laughs> angered the gods. <laughs> what had happened was, because it was such a bad weather, there was only one family in the restaurant above us having a lunch and... The dad came up to me afterwards because his nine-year-old kid had his mind blown because he saw the same person enter the building like 12 different times <laughs> and he wasn't really sure how to take it. So that's, no, it was great. If not, that's true. If something, nobody knows what's going on and everybody's just, they want to think they've spotted. I wonder how many people took to social media and said, can't believe so many people looked the same at that gig the other night. So, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. So people have embraced it, haven't they, clearly? Yeah, we've had about 300, 350 submissions on the website. So I'm still, the person I'm still trying to track down is James Collins. Uh, he has not answered my DMs. Oh, I've been yes, trying to get absolutely. into him. Because in Scotland, people say, I, in Scotland, people say I look like John Hartson, but in England, it's James Collins. That's yeah. the two I get. No, I can see that, definitely. We can maybe, maybe we can try and get a message to James. We will do that. We have, we have, the, uh, we have the ability to do that, Ray. So we'll, we'll try and pass it on to him directly. So uh, we'll do our best on that one. Such uh, a matchmaker, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> were, were they all Scottish, these people that came to the gig? Uh, yeah, most of them were Scottish. There was a, a, a couple of English. I've had lots of submissions from Germany, oh. um, America, Canada, Australia. One from all of Asia so far. So I need to find the untapped market over it's there. Not, it's not a um, classic look in that part of the world, oh, is it? Really? really, no. No, because I remember me and my wife were outside the Taj Mahal in India. And Haley, my wife, was like, is it weird that more people are taking pictures of you than the Taj Mahal? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nah, That's gingers pretty. are big deals over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, are you expecting the tour gets underway on the 25th uh, at Southend? Yeah. Um, so are you expecting a, a turnout of doppelgangers around the country? Have people been saying, I'm coming to see you in Newport, I'm coming to see you in Dublin or whatever? Yeah, I've had a few of that. My uh, tour company have asked me to stress that it is not only for bald ginger people. No, I think I've made a rod from my own back in that one. So, yeah, yeah. I think we'll get a few. Um, every like I've, I've, We talked to before, Paul, like... Um, my mum and dad are both deaf, so I got learning sign language. So I did shows in sign language. Every show in this tour is sign language interpreted. So we've got a sign language interpreter every tour day. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to find a deaf, bald ginger person. That's like the unicorn. That is the one <laughs> to put it in your terms. That's so that's lovely. So there's, there's somebody who can do British sign language at every one of the gigs. So yep. oh, that's a lovely idea. So that, yeah, that's excellent. And um, again, have you, have you had much reaction to that news? Yeah, so, like, because I signed my own show last time, we got a bit of buzz off the back of it. But, yeah, so the only problem with that is um, I think last time I got badly stung because we had over 800 deaf people come to our first comedy show, but then I found out deaf people pay concession prices and I'd lost, like, three <laughs> oh, grand. No. So I don't want to be doing that again. So we've bumped up the price. Um, but, yeah, we'll have... That's the cool thing, man. You'll come to a comedy show, but you'll see deaf people probably at every show, which is something I'm kind of quite proud of. That's lovely, yeah. yeah um, so it kicks off South End. All the dates, raybradshaw.com. You can book your tickets through Ray, find out what he's Ooh. up to. And uh, if you are, uh, you think Ray's doppelging, or you think you're pretty close. Shows often start around. with a great title, don't they? Is yeah. that how this started? Was, did you get the title first? Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much, yeah. Um, I went. Essentially what happened was I found my first grey hair and I was like, I've only got about two years left to do this oh, show yeah. before it happens. So um, that's kind of how it happened. And then from yeah. there, it's kind of spiralled. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really happy with the title. I think that's maybe the best bit about the show. So 
We'll enjoy the first 20 seconds and downhill from there. <laughs> That's good. Now, there was far more interest in Scottish football last night than we normally have down here, simply because uh, old Neil Warnett was back. His first yeah. game in Scotland mm. in the dugout for Aberdeen at Ibrox. And uh, it sounds like they gave it a good go. Has there been a bit, bit of a buzz? You had a ch- chance to chat to any fellow Scottish football fans about Neil Warnett coming up? Yeah, so a lot of the guys I play football with from my Saturday team are all Aberdeen fans and they're all buzzing. I think it's he is box office, isn't he? Yeah. But it just shows, like, Aberdeen kept on... So they had Stephen Glass, who they brought over from Atlanta United. They had um, Jim Goodwin, who they prized from St. Marion. And now they've alternated to go for a 74, 75-year-old manager. Mm-hmm. Just a change in tact. But what is going to really help with Aberdeen striker Bojan Miofsky is, in my opinion, one of the best players in Scotland. He'll go for big money. And the fact that now... Lots of English eyes. He scored last night. He scored against Celtic at the weekend. Um, he'll help out. But I think Warnock's just going to be brilliant, isn't he? At 75, he's already like, what is that, the eighth oldest man in Scotland? So <laughs> yeah. to be up here <laughs> and doing funny. that, it's going to be great. <laughs> the, the, interesting enough, though, Neil, he's, he's a classic, really. He's already carrying favour with the local referees because he's very pleased <laughs> that uh, Don Robertson, the referee, reviewed his... The, decision that was he made the decision the decision went against him from VAR he reviewed it and stuck to his original decision so he said I don't think I've seen a ref in England go to the screen and stick to his decision what a good thing to do yeah said Neil <laughs> yeah he'll be he'll be slaughtering that bloke when he gets sawn <laughs> yeah. off in a yeah, few games time so <laughs> now you're you could be back in the SPO at some point Partick because I see you're in the playoff positions it looks like Dundee United or Wraith have sort of uh, well set for the automatic place, but you go into the playoff system, and it's the old school playoff system that they tried down here originally for playoffs, yeah. which is a playoff between the team at the bottom of the championship and <coughs> and yeah. the the team that comes through fairly tortuous because fourth and third play, then fourth and third play second, don't they? And yeah. then, <coughs> excuse me, the so team we, that we've... wins that go through and play yeah. the team that finished bottom of the SPL. Yeah, so yeah. we're about, what, six, seven points behind Wraith um, in second place. They've lost their last five games. They're not in a good run, no. so hopefully we can catch them. But yeah, last season we finished, what was it? I think, did we finish third or fourth? And then we won that playoff. We beat second place. We had that horrific showing against Ross County. But it looks like in the top flight, Levy, it uh, looks like Livingston are going to go down. Ross County second. So we could have a rematch of that absolutely tragic day we had up in Dingwall when we were 3-0 up to get oh. promoted with 19 <laughs> minutes left and lost on penalties. So... Yeah, we're doing we're doing great. And the best thing about Thistle just now, club manager is a Hall of Fame player, scored 120 goals from us. We signed him from like junior, which is the equivalent of non-league. So just gone fan owned, like a good feel good factor in the club just now, which is not something you can always say when you're playing in the lower divisions of Scottish football. No, good stuff. Well, Ray, good to talk to you. We wish you well uh, with the Sounds tour. Really Probably good. we'll catch up with you mm. during the tour. Ray Bradshaw. Um, is the website you need to go to raybradshaw.com. All the dates are there. All the best, Ray. Thanks very much. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Catch you on. There we are. There's uh, Ray Bradshaw there. Go and catch him on tour, especially if you're bald with a ginger beard. Today's show is brought to you by Benelin. <laughs> yes. I, 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 Both I, of us. I mean, mine's not the 100-day cough. I just swallowed some tea down the wrong down the wrong hole, but I'm fine now. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Sunderland Till I Die is returning to Netflix. Uh, I think it's three uh, shows this time, uh, just to con- conclude uh, the fine series, which I think kind of pre-Rexham, Rexham, really, I think it's fair to say, and prove you can have an interest in a club without actually supporting. Let's give you a flavour of this uh, recent series before we chat to one of the guys behind it. Oh! Come on, lads! Concentration! 
I really do think I've got my club back. Sunderland is emotionally tough. Win this game and Sunderland get promoted. When it's good, you are absolutely invincible. But when it's bad, it is a place of despair. Yes, isn't it really? Uh, Let's be honest. From the uh, the people behind it, Fullwell seventy three, uh, which probably does tell you that they're Sunderland fans. Ben Turner joins mm. us. Are you, Ben? Hello, very good. Thanks. How you doing? Yeah, we're good. So back for one last sort of shorter run to conclude the story. That's it. Glory this time. You've seen Sunderland fans suffer. Uh, I think that we felt when we were making the show, a lot of sports shows, football shows, they focus on winning. The experience of most football fans is losing because only one team ever wins the league. Mm. And uh, so, uh, and there's something much bigger that's at play, which is what we wanted to tap into for Sunderland. But as Sunderland fans, we felt it's enough of watching us suffer. Time to see us get a bit of glory. Well, yeah, you said just there, uh, we made two series for Newcastle fans <laughs> yeah. and this one for Sunderland fans. <laughs> lovely, yeah. lovely idea. It's, um, I mean, could you be tempted out again? Should they make it through the playoffs this time for a one-off special? Maybe. Never well, say never. I mean, It's got to be, isn't it? Well, one of the things that, I've come to realise through my career. I mean, I've, we've known I've, we've known you guys for a long time. Yeah, we go back a long way from from in the hands of the gods days. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, is that being a documentary filmmaker has taken me to amazing places. You know, I've been to the Olympics with Usain Bolt. I got to go to the last the World Cup recently. Um, there's nowhere I'd rather be than the Stadium of Light, mm. Sunderland, even when it's awful. So never say never. Must I'm be still a, bitter about being left on the cutting room floor, I might <laughs> Yes, in Sunderland. In, in, sorry, in, uh, in the hands of the gods. That's poor old Andy. Um, it must be more difficult for you because, you know, you are Sunderland fans uh, in in the main, working for Fullwell, and you kind of really care about it. Normally mm. you make a documentary and you can kind of dispassionately shoot what's going on, but it must be hard for you guys to take the emotion out of it. 100%. Mm. I, I, after the second series, I almost couldn't watch football until the Euros. Because when your team goes down or you lose in the playoffs, what you want to do is not think about it for a month or two. Maybe there's a there's a World Cup that you can mm. like think about. What I had to do was go into an edit suite and distill the pain <laughs> into its <laughs> most difficult. comprehensible and emotional format, and it just killed me. And and you know the football wasn't great after that, and it really took me like quite a long time to come come back to it. And maybe it was only fully repaired at the World Cup. Me and Gabe yeah. said that we'd had the best calendar year, twelve months of football of our lives. We watched Sunderland finally win at Wembley and then went and, you know, saw that World Cup yeah. and, it, and it, it repaired my faith. The success of the first two series, well, I, I think, is is the fact that, a bit like the Wrexham, so you don't really need to have skin in the game because being a football fan and winning and losing and all the heartache of it or joy of it is encapsulated. It doesn't matter who the team is. And I think, you know, you, you, you did a fantastic job there because, you know, you brought across the emotion of being a football fan and, and you had some great breakout stars, old Peter the Cabbie and stuff. Are these, are these featuring in Series 3? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and it was a real privilege for us to get to know them. You know, I'm, as Mackhams who grew up down south, we just desperately want to be accepted mm. by the Sunderland faithful. <laughs> so to, doing this is like part of something that, you know, has earned us our stripes. Uh, and, and the acceptance there. And, you know, you, you, we've made a lot of sports docs for a long time mm. and mm. before they were a big deal. And I remember we basically got to make Class 92 because we'd met David Beckham through the comic release sketches we made. 
And we were out there pitching it. And I remember people saying to us, what is the point of this film? And the point of it was that we wanted to hang out with David Beckham. But, um, but th- it took us a while to come up with an answer because they were like, it's never going to be as exciting as watching them win the Champions League in the last minute when you don't know, you know, mm. when you don't know. So how, what's the point of this film? And we sort of came to the realisation that the point is the resonance of the story. You know, The Godfather is a, is, is a film about family. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, set, it's a mafia setting. Yeah. But, and so we were like, what, what do all these films mean beyond it? And people who love football or love any sport, mm. they're in it also for the stories, you know, mm. your favourite oh, players, much, yeah. you know, and that's what we were trying to access. And Sunderland is a, is a place that I we see with a lot of romance um, and a lot of love and affection. And it was a chance to sort of put that out there. Uh, and, you know, I've sat, I've sat or stood at Sunderland for many years and sung we're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen and thought to myself by what met possible yeah, don't, metric don't dig too deep yeah, could, could, this, could this be true and yeah. I discovered that the metric is we are the greatest football team to make a story about and make a documentary yeah. about because everything happens there um, it has happened in the past and those and to share it with those fans and to put them on screen and to finally show them happy is just a beautiful thing the genre has really grown isn't it? you yeah. did I Am Bolt as well yeah, you? yeah, 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 yeah. I mean yeah. it's the thing you've been you guys have been making sports documentaries for a long time but it happened a lot in Covid with Last Dance and everything really yeah. and of course there and were loads of documentaries before that but yeah. I think that was the sort of launch point but it must have been I mean I'm sure it's probably a bit easier to get stuff away than it was because people are more open they know a sports documentary can kind of transcend people's love of sport or otherwise 100% I think also a sports documentary is a natural format because every week all of your characters succeed or fail in a very binary fashion. Oh. Like we make music docs too. You could follow a musician around for months and like nothing plot-wise could happen. Um, sport, it's going to happen. It's also, there's been a big rise in unscripted TV because if you think about those shows, they get huge audiences. They've got a huge following for the clubs and the sports already. They cost a fraction of the price of a scripted show um, just because you know you don't have to do so much yeah. logistically. So they're a great bet for these for the for the streamers and for the for the channels and they're very they they come together brilliantly. So this is three so three shows should I say and it mm. picks up where the kind of new ownership had just come in, Lee Johnson had just gone, and it's kind of building up to the return. I mean, spoiler alert! I'm, well, they've mm. only got to look at the league table to know <laughs> they got out of League One and back into the Championship yeah. by the players. Our own Simon Jordan, you're saying he's also takes a he's, he, yeah he has a, he has a few little pops at Kirill. Um, but for us, that's amazing because yeah. you know it gives us it, it gives us the drama. Do you get the feedback from uh, the owner from what Simon's saying, or uh, not directly? But you know he's he's really young, um, and you know he's got a lot of money from his family, so that puts him gives him a certain outlook to people. Uh, he also his he grew up his dad owned Marseille as a kid, so he's been in and around football clubs a lot, um, and. Yeah, he, he's 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 got more to him than would meet the eye. Again, from a storytelling perspective, it's great. Mm. Start with everyone doubting him, having put a plan in place, having yeah. it come through. And so, funny, how are you feeling about it? I mean, you're in that that sort of mix just outside the playoffs. It, it could yeah. be on, couldn't it? It's been a. Yeah. I mean, the, the Michael Bill stuff. I don't know what they're saying. You know, they don't like my accent and stuff. I'm not sure how well that's playing. Really, you're going down a road you don't particularly yeah. want to. Yeah, I think he's. I think just try and get some success on the pitch, and that's what's going to make people happy. I don't think that kind of thing is going to help him much. Um, I think Tony Mowbray was quite popular. Like, mm-hmm. people, I think people were were disappointed to see him go, probably. Um, and I think there had been a feeling for a while that he was going to go, and it, it might not have been fair. He was probably managing under a cloud for a bit. Um, there was a, so much optimism at the end of last season. I remember the, the the home leg against Luton, 
they went one up and you just knew we were going to you know we were going to win it it yeah. had that feeling in the stadium mm-hmm. that you just love as a fan you know mm-hmm. everyone's there and i we were I mean, we were we were a center you know we had so many injuries at center back that they bullied us out the second leg but we should, well, i think we were a better team with momentum at that point and look how they've done in the premier league so yeah. there was a lot of momentum then mm, that's interesting but yeah. i feel like more than anything having been so close to Sunderland for a while and so invested that we've been a pretty rudderless club for many years um, and just to have some people at the helm who've got a plan even if it's a bit bumpy and even if that plan I don't always agree with everything or I can't always see it I'm sort of there's a big part of me that's like at least there's a plan yeah. and I've got to like be a little bit patient and let them try and like do it even because at least you know we were drifting and it was such a catastrophe before yeah. that so, so um, when are they available then? When are, when are the club available yeah, no, to buy? The show, when the show's available? <laughs> no, when are the shows available um, to watch? I think it's uh, I think it's it's next week. I think on the on t- next Tuesday, thirteenth. Yeah, thirteenth. Okay. Brilliant. So, well, lovely. Well, we look forward to seeing it again. And are they one hours or? Uh, they vary a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It's sort of half an hour, forty minutes. So you have to so, get used to that. You yeah. just yeah. make it as long as you uh, like. I'm thinking. Yeah. Your colleague uh, Ben Winston produced the Grammys. Yes. And, uh, I look forward to Joni Mitchell turning up at the stadium of lights. Yeah, that's right. She's a massive Sunderland fan. She only agreed to sing at the Grammys so she could get to meet that famous song she wrote about Ian Porterfield. Cheers, Ben. Good to see you. You too. Thanks for having me on. Ben Turner from Fullwell Seventy Three. The people behind. Sunday until I die back on Netflix on the 13th of the month. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. <laughs> Our next guest, uh, yeah, just uh, catching up with Andy after working for a company we all worked for many, many years ago. Anyway, we'll come on to that in a minute because uh, we're going to chat to the producer-director of a a new film, Getting It Back, the story of Samanda. Unless you're into your funk music of the 70s or into hip-hop or house, you may not know Samanda. Let's give you a flavour of the trailer of the film before we uh, chat about it. To me, they were the British black supergroup that never, ever happened. 
up. It's like great artists. Sometimes their work isn't appreciated until long after they're gone. I had discovered this new kind of music and I wanted to turn my friends on to it. Once you put that on, boom, lights out. Whoa, what is this? Once it touches your soul, you're gonna take some piece of it with you. And it's like, I gotta do something with that. If it wasn't for songs like these, there would have been no hip hop. So many of us have sampled Samandi over the years. Their music has been endorsed by every subsequent music movement to date. I knew all the songs, I just didn't know that it was that. Whenever you find something new, you go to find the original. I heard Fuji's and then heard Samandi. And I realized these guys are everywhere. Yeah, it's called, uh, as we said, Getting It Back, mm. the story surrounding uh, Tim McKenzie Smith is the uh, man behind it. Good to see you, Tim. Yeah, good to see you guys. We've worked on a number of football projects mm. over the years, but this this is clearly a real passion project for you. I mean, when did you when did you first find out about the band? Because they've got they've had this kind of cold underground I only found out about them this morning. But you love it. This is the <laughs> thing. The I, I said to Andy, ever listen to some of their Spotify stuff? And, and he loves it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, um, I was at university and the kind of, mid 90s and there was this tape flying around it was like a rare groove mixtape um and it didn't have a track list and it was a lot of kind of old american funk and in amongst it there were two tracks in particular that i absolutely love one of which you just heard on the trailer um which i later found out was was bra by samande and i was like who's samande and you know have i not heard of the name and then i realized that they were actually from south london mm. which i couldn't believe because i imagine they must be american you know so I kind of started digging around, digging into them and into the story and realised that they were from Brixton. I was living in Streatham at the time. And they became our go-to band that whenever we'd have parties, we'd always chuck them on and go, have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? And someone might be, one person might be like, oh, that's the sample from the Fugees. And the, another person might be like, why have I not heard of this? You know. Mm. Um, and so it was always in the back of my mind that this was a story I'd love to kind of pursue one day. And... Actually, the last time I was on with you guys was when I was doing a documentary on Anthony Joshua before mm. the uh, Klitschko fight. Mm. And we used a Samande track as the kind of opening tune on that. And um, the band found out about it and their manager started following me on Twitter. And it just kind of co coincided with me also reaching a point where I kind of felt like I'd done five years of non-stop sport documentaries mm. and just wanted to try something else and yeah. tell, tell a story or learn about a story that that wasn't in the public domain quite as much, you know. Are they still at, sorry, boy, are they still active? They still yeah, yeah, they're actually touring this year. They're in the studio doing a new album, you know, um, in their mid-70s. They're kind of getting getting that, that, that yeah. second crack at it all, so it's brilliant. It's great because I kind of pre-see the story. Um, the, the band came along, they were kind of Windrush, second-generation guys, and uh, the band sort of came out of, as you said, coming out of South London, and it was a kind of mix of all the different influences that they had, the sort of soul funk, reggae, sort of Afrobeats, everything, really, everything was kind of in there. And they had not a great deal of success in the UK, were, were big in the States for a little while, but in the end they couldn't sustain it. When they came back, they were playing big rooms in the States, coming back to England, and couldn't get a gig, could they? That's right. They were touring with Al Green and in the States, you know, playing to 40,000 people in stadiums, you know, oh. and, they, and they, were, they were the first um, British band to play the Apollo in Harlem. And every time they come back from touring, like, you know, no one wanted to know. 
They never went on the TV. They barely got any radio play. The gigs they were offered were basically in glorified pub kind of sizes. And so they just became disillusioned with it all, you know, because this was their home. This was, the, you know, the, the music was born from their experiences in this country um, growing up, you know, their influences and, and, and the fact that they didn't get the kind of backing that they, they wanted and kind of deserved really, yeah. you know, meant that they were disillusioned, which, which is why they did decide to, to take a break in Excuse 75 <coughs> sorry um and that break ended up being you know over 40 years yeah and then uh, over that period as you said lots of stuff was being sampled della soul we heard from there fuji's used it i recognize craig charles craig charles and norman jay heard in there talking about their influence and how important they were that's right he, he, and they get the this scene yeah. With norman, yeah and they get this second act where suddenly they decide to reform because there's interest in what they're doing and in your film, you sort of chart them coming back, doing some festival gigs, doing gigs in the States. It's just lovely watching watching the rehearsals, watching them sort of come back. A lot of them had gone on, had very successful musical careers. One of the guys went and played with Paul Simon, did the Graceland tour. So they'd had good careers, many of them. Some of them had drifted out of music altogether and done different things. That's right. Derek, the um, sax player, he became an electrician. You know, he put really? his sax down in the late 70s, didn't put it up, pick it up again for 40 years. He had to yeah. completely relearn how to play the instrument. That's amazing. And he said that when he first started, he was obviously really doing it a lot to try and get the muscle memory back. And he woke up one day and his entire face was swollen because he just hadn't <laughs> used those muscles in 40 years, you know. It's, it's a fantastic story. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it, and it's great to know that they're they're still going strong and they're uh, and they're still have gigging they, now. Have they done well financially out of the sampling? Does that work for them? Um, yeah, they've done okay. I mean, you know, with sampling, it's, it's, it's a kind of complicated thing, really, because in the early days of sampling, no one cleared anything, mm. you know. Um, but the, the bigger tracks, that they did get paid for. Um, but their, their view on sampling is, is entirely that it's a positive thing because ultimately, without sampling, they wouldn't be here. We mm. wouldn't be talking about them today because yeah. it was what kept them alive in terms in musical terms because the music went off on its own journey and people picked it up all different genres different countries people heard something in it that they wanted to try and use you know yeah. um so it's picked up in the documentary like it's often guys in de la soul saying it's often seen as a negative sampling and ripping off artists and there are one or, there is an example with some andy where they, they had to get legal didn't they over something but by the same token you know, it does give you the notoriety and people do go back to the source material and it can have a, a different effect, can't it? Yeah, and they love it, you know. And, and Steve had talked about how, you know, it was his kids that, that that told him that this was happening. He had no idea. He was a successful lawyer at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and was completely out of the music business. And his kids were saying, do you know, like, you know, have you heard of the Fugees? Have you heard of De La Soul? And he's like, no, because you've got to check this out, you know. So for them to realise that something was happening with their music that... It wasn't about marketing. It wasn't about a big PR budget. It was purely about people finding it and on its own merits, realising yeah. that they loved it and they wanted to do something with it, you know? And that could be sampling or it could be just putting on a mixtape and sharing it with people. Um, mm. It was something that just... It was a snowball that started to roll down the hill, you know? Yeah. And uh, the great thing about the film, it has got a kind of life beyond it. Whether you're massively into them, it probably helps if you are into that kind of music. But it is a very human story of these guys kind of being good at something, not getting the chance to do what they want to do, 
and then getting that opportunity a little bit later on. They're great. They're, it's a dream for you because they're, they're great characters, many of them, aren't they? Good they talkers. are. They're wonderful characters. And, and, and for me, you know, I started out as a fan of the, the music and, and during the process of the film, I became a fan of the people that made the music yeah. just as mm. much, if not more, because they're just brilliant people. And, you know, different personalities, but all so compelling. And, and you know, there's one character, one, one band member called Pablo, who, who's sadly passed away now, who... I, as soon as I met him, I was like, I think I'm in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a great character. He's, he's a, this a great weird guy. little rasta, sort of quiet with a glint in his eye, cheeky, funny, yeah. sort of spiritual, just this the most amazing guy. Yeah. And they were all brilliant. And so for me, I remember when I first met Stephen Patrick, actually, to have the meeting about whether we do this. And, you know, you do wonder whether someone is going to have the, the character to, to carry a film, you know, yeah. a 90 minute film. You need to be with mm. these people for 90 minutes. And immediately on, on meeting them, I yeah. just knew it'd be brilliant. If you want to go and check it out, yeah, say, where can people C-Y-M-A-N-D-E, because that throws a lot of people. Um, C-Y-M-A-N-D-E, if you want to go and find it on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever else and have a listen. If you want to see the film, what do they need to do, Tim? Where can we see it? Um, so the BFI are releasing it in cinemas uh, starting on the 16th of Feb. Um, it's uh, a number of cinemas around the country. Um, picture houses have picked it up. And um, if you go to the BFI website, uh, I'm sure all the listing, all the cinemas will be there. And then on the 26th of Feb, um, it's going to be on BFI Player and out on uh, Blu-ray old school physical media yeah. oh that's good <laughs> and um, a quick one on Chelsea a Chelsea fan like Andy say so used to stand in the kitchen at Avalon when we all worked there sort of putting yeah. the world to rights on that's Chelsea true, really, so yeah. how are you feeling well I've not spoken to him in the interim so you know feel like we're back to uh, back to square one a little bit <laughs> I further, although I must pre- I must one. preferred it back then to be honest you know like yeah. it was I remember talking to Andy when, when Viali got sacked and we were both pretty devastated and questioning, who is this Claudio Ranieri fellow, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Chelsea now, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start. I don't think you've got long enough. <laughs> well, good to see you. Best of luck with the film. Thanks, guys. It's Great to see you both. Getting it back, the story of Samande. Uh, we'll play out with uh, one of the songs that has been heavily sampled, The Message. <laughs> The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yes, good afternoon, Paul Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. Tim Vickery joins us, brings us all the latest from uh, the world of South American football, say the messy Hong Kong fallout. City doing a bit of business with themselves, effectively, mm. uh, by signing uh, Savio from uh, a kind of parent club. We'll be chatting about that, find out a bit more about him. He's done very well in Spain so far. And Courtney Sweetman-Kirk joins us. She'll be uh, alongside Ian Danter tonight for Forest Bristol City. We're going to take a look at that game. Interesting one for, for Forest and look at the job that uh, mm. Nuno has done so far. Bristol City going pretty well in the FA Cup so yeah. far. So should be an interesting match live on TalkSport 2. We'll do a bit of Villa Chelsea with Andy uh, if we must. I'm sure he's going to say later on. Uh, mm. Adrian will be there alongside Jim Proudfoot and Stuart Pearce for the big game in the FA Cup mm. tonight. Um, how you? Maybe we should deal with that now. How are you feeling before we do Mastermind? No, I'll talk about it later because I've got some 
thoughts about it, and that you know, that I, then I'll only repeat myself. Okay, so, yeah, all yeah. right, we'll do that later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the meantime, then, Andy, um, what are we, we're going to do a bit of mastermind, though. I am, yeah, I've got a few uh, Clive's, Clive's famous intros. Clive Myrie, Andy Fields, a brilliant broadcaster, of course, but Terrific. a city yeah. fan, a man who loves to do quite a, a long explanation of sometimes quite obvious specialist subjects. Yeah. I maintain it's nothing to do with him, it's the format. He's the tool of a large organisation that <laughs> no, does what he's so. told <laughs> and reads what he's given. <laughs> yeah, uh, You blame Clive, and I, I don't. I do, really. Well, OK. I, he likes to explain who it is. It's just overly long. OK. You know, for example, here's a simple one. The, the specialist subject, the career of Arsene Wenger. Oh, blimey, OK, yeah, yeah. You need a bit of explanation a if you're not bit, a football yeah. fan. Not as much as this, though. Yes, the former French footballer who was the manager of Arsenal for more than 20 years until he stood down in 2018. Not too bad. Not the Wenger Plumbing Company of Campbell, California. Oh, you found the Wenger Camp? Oh, <laughs> yeah. OK. But this next one, the comedies of Oscar Wilde. Oh, yeah. Yes, the comedic plays of the celebrated Irish dramatist, poet and wit. Normally at this point, I'd say not the plumber, but... You found a plumber called Oscar Wilde? No, Oscar Wilde was a plumber. Oh, Bef was he? He was, before he became a writer. I couldn't believe it. I looked at it and said... I've got nothing to declare, declare but my rods. Yeah, the importance of having your own rods. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? That's marvellous, Yes, he was, he, was a, he, he was a plumber by trade before he became a writer. I may be lying in the gutter, but I still can't get mine down this drain. <laughs> it's all blocked up, Gov. <laughs> Just some of the things that Oscar Wilde said as a plumber. <laughs> Very much so. Maybe you said them first and then made them a bit more... That's palatable. What, that's what I think. If you've got any Oscar Wilde plumbing material, yeah. that's the TalkSport yeah, heartland, if ever I... that's going to happen at all. Anyway, uh, TalkSport, <laughs> TalkSport.com, text 81089, tweet TSH&J. Donny um, Osmond. Oh, yeah. Is he coming in? No. Oh, this is, sorry, mastermind, sorry. Singer, yes, the singer, actor, presenter, and former teen idol, yeah. who found fame as part of the fam his family's band, the Osmonds, the in Osmonds, the yeah. early 70s. Big fam. Not Donny Osmond, Hospitality, catering, and business development consultant of Jakarta in Indonesia. You couldn't find a plumber. <laughs> I couldn't find a plumber called Donny Osman. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, is that it? Oh, there's one more. Go on then. There's always four. The Godfather films. Oh yeah, tremendous. Francis Ford Coppola's multi-Oscar-winning trilogy, based on a novel by Mario Puzo, telling the story of the Carboni family and its criminal activities. Yeah. Not Frank Coppola plumbing in Woodbridge, Ontario. <laughs> <coughs> Doug in Derry says, uh, Andy, did you see the Mafia guy on Mastermind answering questions on The Godfather? <coughs> Excuse me. He said perhaps contestants should come dressed in keeping with their <laughs> That's subject. That's a very good idea. That's a nice idea. If someone comes on, they're dressed as Donny Osmond. Yeah. That would be great. Oscar Wilde would be very nice. Yeah, foppish, that's right. That yeah, would be look, tremendous. Yeah. A nice idea. Um, <laughs> on that subject, the <laughs> um, sad death of Ian Lavender earlier this week, hmm. His, his good friend uh, Rick Waitman um, put out an old clip because they appeared back in the John Humphreys days on Mastermind together on a oh, Celebrity really? Mastermind. Oh, right. And uh, Rick had just answered his questions, sat down, and, of course, it went through the normal process. Ian Lavender sat down and, he, and uh, John Humphreys said, uh, your name, please, and straight away Rick was in... Don't tell him, Pike. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's out there on social media. It's a That's beauty. Really, so really uh, so go and go and check that out. Anyway, um, should we bring the uh, clips of the month? Yes, the let's do that. You'll have a, a chance to vote uh, soon, but we'd like to know. You'd obviously like to hear which ones we selected. So here they are. Mm. Yes, it's time then for the Clips of the Month. We have selected uh, six clips, and it's going to be your choice to take 
take us through two semi-finals and a final just before four o'clock when we'll play you uh, the winner. And we'll do that all on Twitter or on X, whatever you prefer. And uh, say two semi-finals, vote for your favourites. But anyway, let's hear them first, shall we? And Andy, would you care to kick us off with the first I'd love to. And we kick off with Simon Jordan, who appears to have some funny habits. Mm. I want young managers to be successful. Like we've just discussed, we want number twos coming out from underneath the umbrella. Really? Okay. That's a terrible thought, that is. Number two's coming out from underneath the umbrella. On a similar note, this is Majestic alongside Alan Pardew uh, on The Last Word. The mecca of sport in this country and around the world when it comes to radio. Uh, who do and you, you wanna... know the other thing on a Saturday and Sunday you have to do, don't you? Because I was very conscious of this when I was walking my dogs. I could pick my own poo up. What a <laughs> tremendous... <laughs> I don't think I want to see that. It sounds quite terrible, really. <laughs> Actually, we get the feeling that Majestic isn't Pard's biggest fan. Oh, that's right. Good evening, it's the final word phoning with me, Majestic. Looking back on all today's action with Premier League manager Alan Pardew. No drive, no passion, no idea. That's a bit harsh. A bit harsh. I thought he was <laughs> really? quite good himself. He's saying that to his face. What a dancer, though. <laughs> uh, anyway, here's um, Alan Brazil on uh, Breakfast chatting to promoter Barry Hearn. There are other markets for us to conquer. We haven't finished the world yet, you know. We're Genghis Khan halfway through. Oh, so, by the way, um, he's been listening. I've just got an email here. Yeah, Genghis Khan is big talk sport listener. <laughs> hello, 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 Ray. Great show. Yeah, people have said I'm quite brutal, but, you know, he's got to go. Or if not go, he's got to stick his head on a spike. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, John the <laughs> Historical callers to sports shows will yeah. be very good. Yeah. Let's get the weather now with Kane Reeves and Max Scott. Talk sport weather with QuickFit. Drive away happy every time. Well, I admit I haven't written my weather for this hour, but looking out the window, it's dry in London. <laughs> Talk sport weather with QuickFit. It's rainy up down in London and more rain up north. That's the weather. On 1089 and 1053 yeah, we, medium wave. massively scientific when it comes to the weather. I don't think either of the boys are meteorologists, um, but I'm not sure maybe they are. And finally, it was Big Al who did struggle. He did struggle. It was all due to FFP. To be honest, he's still struggling if only, this morning. Yeah, more on that on Friday. But if only he'd called it FFP because he did struggle with one particular word during January. Chief Executive Dan O'Neill says the club has to be compliant with the Premier League's profit and sustainability. They've been referred to an independent commission for alleged breaches of profit and sustainable rules on their accounts. Many clubs find themselves treading the profit, treading the profit and sustainability line. It's not sustainable, this is it? Really? No. Um, so, what's your favourite? Was it uh, number two's coming from below the umbrella for Simon Jordan? Was it Alan Pardew picking up his own poo? Was it Majestic having a pop at Pards? Was it Big Alan and Genghis Khan calling talk sport? Was it the fairly sketchy weather from Kane and Max? Or was it indeed Big Al stu- did struggle with that word sustainability? Um, two semi finals uh, be up and running very shortly. Uh, on the at T S H and J T S H A N D. I'm just looking up the Greek word for sustainability. Yeah, I do struggle. <laughs> so um, just go along to uh, T S H and J 
Two semi-finals there. Vote for your favourite. We'll give you an update just after 3.30. And then we will have the finalist and we'll play the winner again just before four. We hand over to Andy Goldstein and Darren Bent. Uh, lots more to come. We're going to be uh, chatting very shortly to Tim Vickery. Just before that, though, a little uh, message here to a talk sport listener. Uh, David Alfie Ward, friend of the show, comedian, um, has been in touch. He's up in York at the moment. He played in a charity match for the Yorkshire Spurs the other day, and one of the players on the pitch, John, very big talk sport listener, uh, unfortunately had a heart attack while he was on the pitch. He's, he's on the mend. He's had a, a pretty tough 10 days. He's recovering in hospital, and he's probably good chance he's listening this afternoon because oh, he does well. listen to the station all the time. So, John, we wish you a very uh, speedy recovery. And uh, thanks for being a long-term listener. We look after yourself. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. But Andy gave us the bombshell during his mastermind stuff that Oscar Wilde, the playwright and author, was a plumber Mm. in in a previous life. We didn't expect stuff like, I have nothing to declare but my... It's going to cost you, says Ricky in Gloucester. Um, Other famous quotes, there's only one thing in life worse than being talked about, and that is having to unblock a (laughs) U-bend, says Chris in Tamworth. And, of course, Lady Windermere's pan as in toilet pan, which are some of the ways you brought the worlds of plumbing and Oscar Wilde together on a national sports station. God bless you for that. Andy, I want to apologise. Eugene Amadadzi, the question you got wrong with Fletch just now in Paddy's Challenge, it was indeed on a day when Charlie Baker was here. Ah, right. And so it it wasn't your Mm. fault, your bad memory. Jamie O'Hara says that Chelsea are the worst team he's ever seen. That is an idiotic thing to say. Yeah, that maybe is a bit of a stretch, but... (laughs) They've, they've shown signs. You know, it's just the last couple of games have been a, a disaster. So how are you feeling about tonight before we look ahead to the what other What I feel really season? is the odds are against Chelsea tonight. Villa are a terrific side. They're great at home. All right, they didn't play well against Newcastle, but pre- previous, previous to that, they'd won 15 games in a row, I believe, yeah. something like that. So it's not really about winning. It's about giving your all. It's about acquitting yourself in the best possible way. It's about battling. It's about transition. It's about scoring a couple of goals. It's about making Villa work yeah. to win the game. Not just, you know, lose 4-1 again or 5-1, you know, because if you fold and or shrink and abdicate your responsibility and blame the other person and blame the manager, really, you know, the average age of the team is 23, not 12. You know, they've got to take responsibility, the players, you know. So, yes, I'm hoping he'll do go to three at the back tonight. Yeah. He's got nothing to lose. We've been terrible. You know, Tim Vickery told us ages ago, you can't play silver in a back four, and no. that's clearly been a problem for mm. Chelsea. So, uh, hopefully they'll do that, and hopefully the, the, the two games against Villa have been very tight affairs. And, you know, so yeah. Chelsea could easily have won the first tie. You know, they probably should have done. So, you know, we'll see. But obviously... Uh, Odds are with Villa, you know. Yeah, who are playing very well. I mean, I think both teams will make a few changes, but the way it's been going for Chelsea, they probably won't. I mean, they would have been tempted to. But anyway, we shall see. Just before we go, uh, we can bring you the winner of the Clips of the Month. Thanks to everybody uh, who voted. And the winner, uh, with 62% of the vote in a first-ever three-way final because of the dead heat between Simon Jordan and Alan Pardew, was... Marning, it was was the big man. (laughs) Um, Struggling with the word sustainability. (laughs) If you listen to the clips of the week on Friday, you'll probably discover that that's an ongoing battle he's having. But uh, this is how he approached it in January. Just say FFPL. Chief Executive Dan O'Neill says the club has to be compliant 
with the Premier League's profit and sustainability. They've been referred to an independent commission for alleged breaches of profit and sustainable rules in their accounts. Many clubs find themselves treading the profit, treading the profit and sustainability line. You know, he can see that word coming up, and he knows it's going to be hard, so he gets the words before it. Anyway, yeah, thanks for everybody who voted. Um, and as we said, Clips of the Week back on Friday. That is us. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, there we are. That's how it all unfolded uh, this afternoon. I'm back here with uh, Charlie tomorrow. We will, of course, have uh, the birthday spread. How are the gags looking, Andy? Uh, back to full form this week. Beautiful. Yeah, so I'm quietly optimistic. We're going to talk a bit of uh, rugby with Matt Dawson as well of the Six Nations, a bit of Super Bowl. We'll be crossing over to uh, Vegas to chat to our team out there. So, yeah, busy show tomorrow. I do hope you can join us. If not, the podcast will be available about four. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.